Alright, what's going on everybody? Welcome into episode number 72, 72 of the Puro Caballero Show. This is your host, Mario Caballero, a.k.a. the Mestizo Michelangelo. Definitely feeling that way this week. It's been a little action-packed for me, but just got to address some things off the top. Not going to do a music intro or outro on today's episode because didn't necessarily feel like it was appropriate considering everything that's kind of gone on in the last few days. And yeah, just reporting to you, today is January 30th, Thursday. You may be listening to this later in the evening, maybe on Friday over the weekend. So uh, it has been a few days since the tragic news. We just got to get into it right off the top. On last Sunday in the morning time, uh, very, very tragic news came through. I got a text from my uncle with the link from TMZ, basically explaining that there was a helicopter accident that took place somewhere in Calabasas, um, kind of the northwest parts of L.A., and the biggest news that came from that accident was that we lost an icon, a legend, one of the greatest players to ever suit it up and lace him up. Arguably the greatest Laker of all time. Uh, one man by the name of uh, Kobe Bean Bryant, who fortunately, uh, after it was confirmed that, uh, you know, it's left this world at the age of 41. Very very tragic, very young, and then as more details came out later in the evening, it was tough to to swallow because basically he was traveling with his daughter, his oldest daughter, 13 years old at the time, Gianna, a.k.a. Gigi, a.k.a. Mambasita, Little Mamba, and two of her teammates, I believe, a couple parents and another coach along with the pilot. There was nine people in total who ended up tragically losing their lives on, on Sunday. And yeah, it's been it's been a big shock. Shock to everybody. To see a guy who only retired what, four or five years ago he was really stepping in and excelling in that second chapter of his life. He was attacking his uh his other ventures with the same vigor that he was as an NBA player. And you can kind of tell that, you know, whatever he was going to do into the future, he was going to put his effort into it, and it was going to be pretty successful. He had branched out and started doing some, not necessarily color commentary or TV commentary, talking head stuff, but he had his details program. That he would work with a lot of NBA players in the offseason or help them on their game. He had his own Mamba Academy where he'd invite everybody over. And yeah, that Mamba Academy was based out in Thousand Oaks. and God, so, so sad. Sad considering the fact that if you know Kobe's history with helicopters, you know that... Basically, that was his mode of transportation because he lived in Orange County. I think he was lived in Newport Beach, and he would 
fly into practice in El Segundo, or we'd fly into Staples Center for the games. If you think about it, you break that down. There's 41 home games in a season. You're flying to and from. That's 82 different times. It's well over 100 times a year if you include all the practices and other obligations that he had to do. So, oh man, this isn't something that was new to him or anything like that. This was a stable part of his life is flying in that helicopter. They used to call it the Kobe Copter. And, I mean, he would fly with teammates and other staff. Famously, Dwight Howard, when he played with the Lakers, uh, when Kobe was there. He would actually fly with Kobe to and from practice and games because um, he also lived there in Orange County. Man, and it's a tough one. Tough one to consider, tough one to to deal with. It's just, you know, life is not guaranteed. Every moment should be appreciated and cherished. Even the down ones. Because you know something. You keep moving forward. Good news is going to happen eventually. But. Mm, you got to feel for the rest of the, the family. His wife Vanessa. And three other daughters. That's the biggest tragedy. Is just that they're not going to have. The ability to. To have a father pretty much. And. Just recently, within the last couple of years, you can kind of see Kobe kind of cutting more back into the public eye. And that wasn't necessarily because he that was something that he wanted and desired. That was because of his daughter. And she started getting into basketball. And he started getting into coaching her, training her. And from all accounts, it seemed like he was a, a really good dad, really good father. The last few years of his playing career, you'd, every time he'd uh, leave the court and go towards the tunnel, the walkway over to the um, the locker room, almost every time you'd see him give his wife a, a hug and a kiss and then see him play with his daughters, give them a hug. Yeah, many a times... You'd see that image, and that was the last image you'd see of him um, before the broadcast goes to the post-game show or whatnot. Spike Lee did a documentary, Kobe doing work, during one of his last seasons, and he followed him, had 30 cameras, and they basically tracked him throughout a game. I think they were playing at Staples against uh, San Antonio Spurs, and Spike said in an interview... Last uh, The last image that you got of Kobe from the dock is him walking away with his girls. So, I think, first and foremost, that's the biggest, most impactful takeaway that you can kind of have from the situation. And, yeah, man, it's, it comes to everybody. I was listening to Donnell Rollins, and I know you said this before, but basically you only have two things guaranteed in life. That's the born date, and that's your death date. 
And the only thing that matters is that dash in between those two dates. And what you do with yourself during that, that time. Doesn't matter necessarily the length, it's the impact. So, Kobe's 41 years were pretty damn impactful, to say the least. And this isn't even getting into his basketball career. Like, not, we haven't even touched or discussed any of that stuff. But, yeah, I think he had, looking back on it now, you know, pretty, pretty unique one-of-one one life, career, everything. I don't know if there's any one person who's had the life experiences and the successes and the, the, the trials and tribulations that he's, he's gone through. You know, he was a unique personality for sure. And yeah, that's sad to see that we'll never get a chance to find out exactly what he would do. You know, with that second career moving forward. Mm. Yeah, 41 years. To some people, that's a very short time. To other people, that's it's a lot longer than, than other, other folks get. So, it's all relative. But, in any event, man, just thinking back on his his playing days. How how much a larger than life figure he was. He was like a folk hero for a lot of people. He was like their id. You know, being one of the first players to skip college, come directly out of high school, it was really the first guard to be drafted and make an impact. He was so ferocious, so energetic, and so so athletic, man. It's explosive. Young Kobe, Fro Kobe, number eight Kobe was just a monster, man. He could do any and everything on the court, it seemed like. It was all at his fingertips. But this guy, he he had that passion. He had that knack for, for scoring. Just putting the ball in the bucket. At the end of the day, ultimately, you win games by scoring points. You score points by by making buckets. And there's very few number of guys that you could argue that were better at doing that that one particular skill than than Kobe. How he did it changed throughout his career. He was more of a driver, dunker, and still had a great jump shot. But man, that footwork, the mid-range game, the three-pointers, everything got better as his, as his career went along. Became a better ball handler. He was always always really good. Did a better job of facilitating towards the end of his career, even though that was not a strong suit, as everybody knows. When you think of Kobe, you think of pulling up a jumper. At least that's what I do. I mean, the iconic trash can, you know, paper toss, you know, it's what you say, right? Pull up, Kobe, got to shoot it. 
Shout out to Dave Chappelle and Neil Brandon for making that like canon. They had that uh, that love contract sketch, and you see Dave Chappelle after the <laughs> he's done smashing. He takes the condom out, throws it out of the wastebasket, and goes Kobe. Oh, classic moment, classic classic moment. I feel like after that, especially, just that saying got ingrained in a lot of people's brains. And man, not many athletes are able to go by that one name, but. All you need to say is Kobe. Four letters. And it brings everything back. You know exactly what you're talking about. Mm. Man. My relationship with Kobe and his fame and his personality as a basketball player, it's, uh, it's different than a lot of the other people I've seen giving out tributes or whatnot. Because to me... I feel very jaded in terms of uh, my outlook on him because I never wanted to see him succeed, to be quite honest with you, on the basketball court. Off the court, I have no ill will for the guy, but me growing up as a Sacramento Kings fan, this guy was like the the movie villain come to life, unstoppable force. This is a dude who's going to let you know when he's crapping all over your team. And he did that consistently. There were times, I kid you not, where Kings are going to be playing the Lakers. And me being like a super passionate, involved kid, loving every minute of a Kings basketball. It was uh, nightmare inducing, man. Just thinking about the matchup. It's like, all right. They got Shaq in the middle. We're going to do the best we can. You're going to have to double team. Hack him a bit. Make sure you send him to the foul line. Nothing easy. And then you look over at Kobe and it's like, all right, what do we do with Kobe? And you're like, all right, well, we could do, we could send help off of some of the shooters in the side. We could pack the paint. We can press up on him and make sure he doesn't shoot the, the three-pointer. And like everything you tried to do, try to grab him. Try to get physical with him, give him multiple defenders, change defenders, put the long, lanky guy on him. He had an answer for every single one of those things. The pull-up jumper was just unreal. Every time he pulled up for a shot, didn't matter if he was wide open or if it was two or three guys on him. You had that sense that that motherfucker was going in. It was going in. I've seen him make it those shots Thousands of times. Thousands of times. Turn around fadeaway jumpers. Pull up fadeaways. Crossing dudes over. Getting to the rack. Scoring at the rim. Dunking on people like crazy. He was amazing. You double him, it's like, oh, now Shaq's, what? Now Shaq's open or Derek Fisher's open at the top of the key. Robert Ory's up, popping open. It was a mismatch every time he stepped on the court. There was nobody who could could step with him. Nobody. Hmm. It was it was a nightmare, a literal nightmare to 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 face him. There's times I like wouldn't be able to go to sleep just thinking about that matchup. I'm just like, what the hell are they gonna do? Like there's almost no chance. 
And obviously, 2002 did not end the way, that season did not end the way that uh, me and all the other Kings fans wanted. And I feel like there were some nefarious acts that kind of happened to help ensure the Lakers getting to the finals there. Kind of talked about it in the last episode. We're discussing David Stern's uh, passing as well. There was some questionable stuff with the referees. Kobe was invo- directly involved with one of those plays. Mike Baby face guarding him out of bounds. Uh, full court. And he's in between the man throwing the ball in bounds and Kobe. He's all up in his chest. Kobe tries to do a rip move. A swim move, excuse me. Where his right arm goes over the top of Bibby's head. But instead of going over the top, he straight caught him with an elbow right to the face. Baby grabs his face and he goes down. The refs are literally staring at him. You can see it in the replay and they don't call nothing. So Obviously at that moment, a lot of emotions came up. And for a lot, it was just... For me, it was just... I didn't want to see him do well on the court. Uh, I understood the inevitable. Like, this dude is just too talented not to to, to, to deny him. But to be quite honest with you, I didn't enjoy when, when his teams won, when the Lakers won. I don't know. Some of that maybe used to go against my dad. He was a Lakers fan. I didn't really hate the some of the other guys, but Kobe was always the one, that driving force. I'm just like, oh my goodness, just go away, just stop. And the man paid 20 seasons, so he was uh, doing it year in and year out, just over and over and over again. And well, yeah, what can you say, man? What can you say? He he was such a force. Getting those three rings with Shaq was just some of the more devast- most devastating teams of all time. That 01 season, 2000-2001 season was just one for the record books. Went like 15-1 and one throughout the playoffs. Swept Sacramento, who had like won 55 games that season. Mm, that team was just unreal. Unreal. And the dichotomy between Shaq and Kobe was, was so palpable. In my opinion, Shaq did a much better job of ingratiating himself to the neutral fan. You know, he's more open, more carefree, more personable. Kobe was just this driven, like, passionate, I don't know if narcissistic is not the right, right word, but he was just all about doing everything possible to win. And Shaq, Shaq enjoyed his spoils. You know, you could smell the roses while he, he, he was there, it seemed like, a lot more than than what Kobe was doing. Kobe was just like, I'm going to put in my efforts and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll sleep when I'm dead type stuff. This dude's passion and drive was unrivaled in his era. He took the, the MJ playbook and just played it out exactly as, as, as almost to this, as much to a T as he could. that soul ability to just put the ball in the hoop 
back over and over and over and over again. He was unstoppable, man, on offense. Unstoppable. Not the easiest man to deal with. Phil Jackson famously, in in that book that he wrote after he left the Lakers, famously mentioned how difficult he was to work with at times and how the personalities between him and Shaq were just... um, It was fraught, the relationship... They were not on the same page often oftentimes. Just going back and forth trying to see who was the alpha male and eventually they sided with Kobe and decided to send Shaq off to Miami. He ends up winning a championship two years later. And then Kobe's kinda in purgatory for a bit. Putting up buckets, putting up crazy numbers. I think he averaged like thirty five points in like oh six. But that team was just not not built to help him out and you know Kobe's playing style sometimes doesn't help as much um in the team concept when you're trying to build that camaraderie and just make the team go if you have a guy who just wants to shoot his way to a victory it's tough if you're one of those dudes just standing around looking for the ball or if they ask you just to rebound you're like you know, what am I doing this for? I'm doing it for you or I'm doing it for us? You know, passing you the ball. So you could sense that with a lot of his teammates. There, He didn't have that trust. He didn't have that com- as much camaraderie. He, he put trust in himself. For a lot of things, that's, you know, a very uh, good attribute to have that, that trust and that uh oh man so what I'm looking for self-confidence he did not lack any of that there's a lot of people who don't have enough of it he had that in spades he knew he could bust everybody's ass on the court but that was almost to the detriment of the team at times because he wasn't able to get his teammates in the flow of the game and rely on them when he needed them they would kind of falter because they weren't in rhythm and for the longest I always was more of a bigger fan of those all-around players who who understood those concepts and got their teammates involved and were generally more fun to play with Kobe if you were his teammate it's fun to win for sure but if that wasn't happening then it could be frustrating and you could sense that with those teams before he got Pau Gasol that he was just kind of in that in that zone. It's kind of like uh, the lead singer of a band who undeniably is talented but sometimes can be a headache to deal with on the road. That's kind of how Kobe was at times. But I'll give that man credit. He definitely... When his team got better and his team's talent improved, later in his career he was able to give that trust to some guys. The Andrew Bynum's, Pau Gasol's, Lamar Odom's, Ariza on the first championship. Those guys. Obviously Fisher. Fisher was still there. 
Sasha Pavlovich even, or not Pavlovich, uh, Vujicic, Sasha Vujicic even, at times it seemed like getting Sasha some buckets was something that made Kobe the most excited when they played together for a few seasons there. Mm. So it was uh, tragic for sure. Seeing him how he progressed throughout his career, you just got to give, you got to tip your hat. Because if he wouldn't have torn that Achilles, uh, I don't know. He might have gotten 40,000 points. He was just that consistent year in and year out. You know, he has some legendary moments later in his career. The fact that he shot those two free throws with a torn Achilles, that shows some balls. That's some heart. Walk to the free throw line with a torn Achilles. Man. Insane. Insane. It's the best. He's like from an you know, coming off the, the MJ area, everybody wanted to be to claim to be the next MJ. He was the only dude who came right reasonably close. And it was in the argument. As to you know who who might be considered one of the greatest, he's a top five Laker. He's like what top three two guard undoubtedly. Best score of his era. Only won one MVP, and I feel like a lot of that had to do with the the relations with the teammates and and that stuff. Um, and I think the media too. Because there's times where he was not as open with the media and just didn't care. And he played the villain role a lot of times. And he was just so driven, so maniacal about just getting getting wins, getting championships. I think he drove his teammates insane. His work ethic was just unreal. And one of the things he had to realize, I think, later in his career was that... I can't remember. Somebody mentioned this in an interview from one of the clips that I've been watching that he he was uh oh um what was I gonna say um his level of 100 100% maxing out is so unattainable for like the average NBA player that, you know, maybe his teammates' level of 100 is only 70% of where he's at or 80% of where he's at. And he used to get frustrated at guys like, why can't you do it? I'm doing it. And, you know, if I'm able to do all this stuff, why can't you? So he always kind of had that. He was like a little bit adversarial with his teammates at times, especially Shaq when there were times he, he didn't seem like he was putting in that effort. Kobe was always the guy, legendary tales of hour, two hours before practice, before anybody else. He's already gotten his shots up, gotten a workout in. He's already gotten a sweat in. He was like the definition of, you know, there's always somebody out there working harder than you. He was that man. (laughs) Oh, man. He was that guy for sure. He was the one always working. I'll work in everybody. 
Mm. That pull-up jumper, god damn, still. Still to this day, I, I, I see it happen. Ice on him out. Gets by half-step. Pulls up. Fades away a little bit. Defender right in his grill. Net. Line drive shot, net. Net, net, net. It's what he did. It's what he did. You know, working the post game, the mid-range. Things that you don't see in today's NBA. He had... Oof. He had all the skill set, man. He had it all, man. And his impact off the court and in, like, pop culture, I think, is almost as big as it is on the court. He was the mascot for Los Angeles. Like, he is, like, the, the embodiment and representation of what L.A. strives to be. Very brash, outspoken, gonna let you know when we're on top. And he was all that. He represented that to to the city of Los Angeles. I don't know if there's any one player who's as synonymous with like a city in an area as Kobe was with LA. So much was like driven by him. So much. He famously had those Adidas sneakers, uh, the big uh, moon boots. Switched over to Team Nike. Was the first guy to wear those short, um, low ankle shoes on the basketball court. I don't know. Did that affect his uh, playing career towards the end? I don't know. I can't. I can't answer that one. But style-wise, he definitely brought that forward. The whole Mamba mentality. Being ruthless, doing whatever you need to do to get that that W. He was he he represented that, and he was well rounded too as an individual. Very very intellectual from what I could see. Seemed like he had he matured quite a bit without even needing those uh, four years of college or one year would have been whatever it was. And man, never never went to college and seemed just so so worldly. Obviously, grew up in Italy with his dad dad who played professional basketball over there for for a while so he knew italian and english when he comes to la he meets uh his eventual wife vanessa and she's mexican and he picked up spanish over the years and it wasn't that bad to be honest with you he had that one famous moment on the last game where they had some reporters from uh i think mexico or spain some other spanish-speaking countries and he took the answers directly in stride and and was real succinct and I've seen him talk to some people on the street in Spanish, some 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 of the Laker fans and the way he he ingratiated himself with the 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 Chicano community here in Los Angeles. I don't he was like almost an honorary Mexican. Like to be honest with you, the fact that his wife was Mexican, his kids were were half Mexican. He played for the Lakers in Los Angeles. That was a lot. That was a lot for him. That meant that meant a lot to to the people here. He was kind of it's like their idol, a lot of people's idol. Oh, what a legend! What a legend! And uh, 
you hear uh, stories of how earlier this year he was talking to Luka Doncic, a little bit of a mess in Slovenian. I think Charles Barkley even said this, like, my ass is never going to learn Slovenian. So, like, <laughs> you give props to somebody who does. Uh, all the commercials that he had with Nike. Legendary career. One of the greats. One of the greats for sure. Even me, somebody who did not enjoy it when his team had success. I gotta tip my hat. He's one of the pillars there, one of the main the main guys that of his era really brought the league forward, helped globalize the league. He traveled to Asia so many times for Nike, helped spread that uh that global appeal. So many players in today's NBA, like a lot of the young guys, grew up with Kobe as their guy. We didn't get a chance to watch MJ. We weren't old enough, but. God damn it, Kobe was the one for a lot of them, for a lot of people. Whether you hated him or you loved him, he was he was one of those figures, man. You can't couldn't deny it, could not deny it. And uh, fortunate news, fortunate we don't just get to have a you know can't be reflective. The man was scheduled to be going into the Hall of Fame this year, tw- class of 2020, and uh, it would have been a nice time to sit back, reflect, play all the the old interviews, the old clips, get a chance for him and Shaq to to yuck it up and laugh, and they did a great job of like uh, patching over their differences over the year and making sure they're. Uh, just not let that beef you know keep simmering they they had a very complicated relationship but it seemed like everything was on on the up and up for the last few years they had that sit down interview that they did i think it was nba tv or tnt which was a, a good moment i remember when it when it aired it's yeah I, I mean i could i could talk another two hours about just every little thing that happened with him The battles he had against the Spurs, against the Kings, played the Mavericks. Mavericks played him tough a lot of times. Those battles against the Celtics in the finals. The one season he beat Orlando as well. The couple failed attempts at putting super teams together when they've had Gary Payton and Karl Malone along with Shaq earlier. And then later in his career when they had Powell, Steve Nash, and Dwight Howard all together on the same team. His relationship with Ron Artest, I mean, Meta World Peace, how they got a ring together. I've heard his relation I've heard interviews with like guys like Matt Barnes, how he did that whole famous, you know, uh fake pass right at Kobe's face and Kobe didn't even flinch. That's another legendary moment that goes in the canon. And Kobe, for all due respect, says if there's a a dude crazy enough to to do that against me, I want him on my team. And so he eventually called him up and got him on the Lakers. So that's that just shows you his his, uh, his passion, dedication, man. He just, just needs to keep it going, man. Hmm. Hmm. Played on the Olympics, won two two gold medals, oh eight and twenty twelve. 
that 08 team, he, he kind of set the tone for the next generation of superstars to show them, like, this is what you could do. And this is what the effort and, and attention that you need to pay in order to achieve that greatness. Across the board, everybody else on that roster got better after that, that Olympics. And I think Kobe's impact is, is immense, is great. And towards the end of his career, he did kind of open up a bit to the media, to everybody else around him, because he was just so focused and so driven that he'd play mind games and he would he would do stuff to try to self to sabotage his opponents or um, he followed MJ's script. That's what MJ did, man. MJ for a lot of people was a ruthless asshole, but one that uh, did it for winning, and that's what that's what Kobe tried to do. Didn't didn't matter. Didn't care. He was always just trying to outwork everybody and take every little advantage he could. And yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Obviously, he had his own self uh, sabotage moments. The whole scenario, Colorado, going back and forth in the middle of the season, middle of the playoffs. I want to say for those court hearings and eventually settling out of court and all that stuff. And I understand the sexual assault allegations and everything. Man was not perfect. Nobody is. Nobody is. You gotta give a shout out to his wife though. Pretty pretty down one. Stick with. Stick with him. Some people say it's kinda easy considering his level of fame and notoriety, but that's uh that's not something that's can be taken lightly. I mean, what happened happened. A lot of people want to take their their shots at him now. I've heard some bad things kind of mention some of it with the intention of of, uh, of it being joking. Obviously, the biggest the biggest controversy was with Ari Shafir and what he tweeted and the videos he put out and the comments that he put out on Instagram. And, uh, I don't think we're we're in the best taste, but considering Ari's stick and what he kind of does and. You know, not the most surprising, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll talk about that in a sec, but uh, yeah, it's better to look at the the positives at a time like this and the negatives, I would say, but. I mean, we can get into... I'll, I'll talk about the RA situation a little bit. I got to take a break. I'll be back with you guys uh, through the power of editing in just a moment. All right, now we're back. A um, couple more thoughts to kind of share before we wrap up the Kobe discussion and kind of get back into our regularly scheduled programming. One thing I forgot to mention was pretty incredible kind of exemplifies how this dude just went and just attacked everything as hard as he could uh he also had a grammy or excuse me an emmy and an oscar award for some of the multimedia stuff that he did following his uh retirement man Whew. uh that's kind of crazy how many people got an nba mvp five championships and then those two awards hanging around their office which uh, kobe did it's pretty crazy, pretty, pretty insane. Uh, just shows you 
what you could do, man, we put in hard work and dedication. He was definitely blessed with talent. That's undoubted. Uh, you know, it's unquestionable. Can't doubt that. But you also applied it the best way possible. He maximized every every second, every inch, everything. All the resources that he had. He was so dedicated, so committed to his craft. He's got that... Everyone talks about it, the mama mentality. Just go attack your goals, go get it, regardless of what happens. So, so focused, so driven. Those are the things that you're going to kind of have to, you know, take from what he did and kind of apply that to whatever you're doing. And he's a big example of that. Just put in that effort, put in that work, and you can you can achieve some stuff. You can do some great things. Mm. What a tragedy, man! So sad to see. Also, just gotta say, all the thoughts and prayers, condolences, and everything to everybody else who's involved in the crash too. All the other family members. One of the bit the more bitter parts of this is the fact that his his daughter Gianna was also included on the on the plane. Kobe looked like he was uh, a big inspiration for her and her basketball playing career and in the youth. And he was very adamant that she was going to be a, a great player. Was going to eventually go to UConn and play in the WNBA. I know Candace Parker mentioned that Kobe would, would say, hey, she's going to break all your records and all that stuff. And Kobe did a good job of promoting the, the women's game the last few years on the youth level and just like over, overall too. Which is good, considering the fact that WNBA players just got a little bit of a of a raise in their collective bargaining agreement. So, shout out to them for for doing so. Now, I guess I'll bring up the whole Ari Shafir situation. Kind of go about that a little bit more in depth because it's uh, it's drawn quite a bit of uh, of uh, consternation and condemnation from people in and out of comedy which is a little bit surprising considering how plugged in and uh arias with uh, a lot of the comedic scenes it's it's a kind of a head scratching in terms of how hard in the paint he had to go for all that stuff uh it was uh is a rough one for sure. I kept saying how, you know, but you kept bringing up the Colorado rape allegations, saying he was a piece of crap and bad human being. It's just like I'm glad he ended up dying. It's like, damn, dude. It's uh, way more unnecessary over the top. And I read his response on Instagram. He posted a lengthy response about how he's like, hey, man, this is what I do. This is the kind of comedy that I do. I always make a joke. Or I try to make a joke about people's deaths, uh, celebrity deaths, whenever they die. He even brought up the fact that he was best friends with Ralphie May, and he even roasted Ralphie. I can see that side of his perspective. It's these it, whatever intention he had to, uh, you know be funny, make jokes about it and all that stuff. 
he, uh, whatever jokes he had, man, it like, they didn't land pretty much in my opinion. You can be offensive and be funny, but if you're just offensive, then what are you doing? People are looking at you. Humor is like a subjective thing, so it's difficult for me to say, you know, put my complete stamp of approval or disapproval on things. Like, I'm not God, I can't give, you know, edicts or whatever. So, to each their own. Ari's style of comedy is just very, could be very attack-based, and it's, it's not very emotional, not necessarily level-headed, I'd say. Yeah, and he's a wild card to begin with. These are just words, I understand that. But like Ari's done actions that have also been quite flagrant multiple times over. And it's to the point where you just kind of have to like understand that and be okay with it or just write them off altogether. So I think there's people within the comedy community who've kind of already been doing so. There's been people who have been put off by him and some of the things that he's done, some of his other antics in the past. I mean, this is the guy who was known as the Amazing Racist and did a whole sketch bit about it in like the 2000s. It was one of like the first early viral comedy clips that I remember remember seeing. I mean, the guy literally stuck his dick out on like uh, the uh, Kill Tony show just last month. He had... What was it? Um, he's done some like flagrant stuff with Legion of Skinks guys out in New York City. And he threw a used like tissue paper with the blood from his hemorrhoids uh, at a, I think, was it was it Bert Kreischer? It was just like, he threw it at somebody. It was one of the hosts of, uh, uh, somebody he was on there with, with this is uh, Something's Burning, Bert Kreischer's cooking show. The man even drugged Burt Kreischer with Molly, which sent Burt into, like, a a panic, I guess. He was mentally kind of messed up, apparently, for a few few days, a few weeks, month, I don't know. Said it took him a while to get, get through it, um, which is pretty damn out there, man. Spiking his drink with Molly. Uh, for somebody, I guess, who maybe is not used to it or not in the m- moment to be doing it, it's kind of like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? And even though for me personally, I probably wouldn't have taken as much of offense to that. Still would have been pissed off, but Bert looked like he was really, really ticked off about that, which eventually they got through, which is like crazy. I think Ari ends up getting a lot of passes for some of the stuff that he's done. Um, Look, I'll defend his right to be able to say what he wants to say. But I'm not going to defend that particular post or that position. And, yeah, it's... There are some people who say flagrant stuff and try to hide behind the cloak of, like, it being comedy. Um, I don't think that's necessarily his perspective. But from other people, I could see how they interpreted it that way. It's like, dog, you're just being an asshole just to be an asshole. Mm. 
I don't know how much that applies to him and, and whatever, but like in reality, but you know, uh, I think ultimately he's just going to keep on keeping on because it's got him to this point so far. So he'll keep doing his, his own style, his own brand. And to be honest with you, I've like, I've enjoyed some of the work that he's done in the past too. He had a pretty good special that was up on Netflix and he had a, a real good show on Comedy Central. This is not happening. The Storyteller Show. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think he also had mentioned and and acknowledged the fact that he didn't know the full length and scope of uh, how uh, the accident. And that his daughter was on board and there was seven other people besides them too. You know, who also lost their life tragically. But he was just going way over the top. He was going hard in the paint, man. Saying I'm glad that uh pilot ran out of gas so that piece of shit could end up dying. It's like, jeez, man. It's like, damn. And obviously, Tex, you cannot discern tone intention quite as much so everything's a lot more up for interpretation so that's uh, i don't know so over the top man so over the top and this is coming for somebody personally like when the whole kobe rape allegation trial and everything was going on me being a king's fan i definitely use that as fuel and motivation to like talk crap to the bunch of Laker fans and and whatnot. Some of the friends I had that were pretty annoying with all that. They definitely were reminded about it from me, for sure. For sure. So I mean I've used it against them in at times in the past. Uh I just don't think this man might deserve to die for doing shit like that, being a bad person or a bad person at that moment. Whatever did or did not happen, I do not know, and I don't wish to speculate one way or the other. So those will always be a mystery, and that will always be out there. And just something we're going to have to contend with, I guess. But it's, uh, it's a weird situation. So this dude, Ari, ended up being dropped from his management. And I think that's the only negative consequence that's come out of it so far. And this, in my opinion, will probably blow over in a few weeks. And definitely, I don't know if it'll be forgotten, but it won't be emphasized, I think. And he'll go back to doing his his normal shticks and routines. So, I mean, the man's supposed to be prepping for a special that's coming out or that he's taping. In New York City. And then this all drops, so... I wonder if it'll have an effect on any of that stuff. But yeah, this guy... He deals in the... Kind of the dark humor... Type of... Comedy vibe, but... mm. I mean, say what you want. You have the freedom to do that, but people have the freedom to be pissed off at you, too. They have the freedom to judge you. So. 
I guess my assumption is he'll probably still be doing what he's doing. And yeah, I don't know if it, any drastic changes or whatnot. There was a lot of uh, comedians who have come out and and have gone against him. A lot of comedians have come out and distanced themselves from him too, which I find a little not and not as shocking, but it's it's that part of it is a little disappointing because you you can. At the same time, say, hey, yeah, he does some crappy shit. I still consider him to be a friend of mine. You can condemn what he said, but still back his right to say it for all intents and purposes. Uh, I didn't get a chance to hear this, but I heard from another comic. They were saying that like the fighter and the kid guys were being real standoffish in terms of their connection with him and stuff like that. And... And they were going real hard in the paint against him, like, which is their right, or they want to do that, but can't necessarily dictate, tell somebody what to say or what not to say. I mean, you can have suggestions for sure, but I don't know, it's crappy. I wouldn't have done it, I'll just put it that way, but, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Well, I guess speaking of comedy, we'll go stay on that topic for a minute. On Monday, I got the chance to go down to the observatory in the OC and watch the man Felipe Esparza record his comedy special. Now he's got one, he had two tapings in English and he had two tapings in Spanish the following day. So he went to one of the English tapings, uh, me, VJ, my sister Marissa, and her boyfriend. So all four of us were there. And it was a fun time, man. Felipe did his thing. He had a good time. The two opening acts were really good. Rodrigo Torres and I cannot remember the other chick. Uh, this Peruvian chick. I cannot remember. She was really funny. She was really good. Felipe did his thing, though. <laughs> I think it was a good show. Repeated a couple lines just to make sure they got it correctly on tape. So, uh, the one issue I had had nothing to do with them. It was had to do with some of the people next to us. We're getting a little too drunk and belligerent. You know that when somebody sells a joke about like a certain person or a person with certain characteristics, and you hear somebody in the crowd like, "Hey, that 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 sounds like so and so." That's so and so, and they'll look at their group, and they're like, "Hey, you know, it's like that's like that's Bobby, that's Bobby, Bobby does that." Hey, you want Bobby? And it's like they're fucking laughing and shit. There was like two or three idiots that were like, "Hella wasted," just fucking yelling shit like that. I missed a couple punchlines because of it, and I'm sitting there like, "God damn, these motherfucker." I posted a picture up on my story on IG. There was a guy. He had like four or six Truly cans, like four other tall boys, like Modelos. Like, all lined up. Like, hey, just run to the bar, like, repeatedly. These rules were all over the place. Like, the view for me for to the to the stage was, like, perfect. I didn't have anybody sitting in front of me. But VJ was sitting to my right. And one of those guys' girlfriends was just, like, moving left, moving right, coming up, going to put her head down, put her head up. So <laughs> VJ couldn't get, like, a good, solid view for most of the night which kind of was disappointing for him but yeah those 
freaking couple belligerent motherfuckers were stepping all over this full uh, punchlines and stuff, man. I was so so mad about that part. The rest of the crowd was pretty good. It wasn't like extra stupid hood ass shit. I think people kind of realize, you know, be respectful, stay in your seats, listen to the jokes, laugh. Don't don't heckle. Obviously, you can't. You shouldn't be heckling at a goddamn comedy taping or whatnot. Which is what uh, that didn't happen. So that was good. The audience, for the most part, was pretty pretty well behaved. Kind of understood the whole thing. So yeah, I hope that uh, that comes out. I think in the next few months or so. We'll see. We'll see. Felipe did his thing though. It was fun. I had, uh, had a pretty decent time there. And then I myself, I had a couple comedy shows this week as well. That uh, I'll say they were eventful. They didn't quite go as well, but they were pretty eventful. Now I'm super. Uh, I'm I'm a big novice right now in the comedy game. And one of the things that I'm really new to is working with promoters and, uh, you know, getting booked on different shows and whatnot. I was booked on this uh, three-day run that they had. Uh, first one was Sunday, Tuesday, and then last night. And so for the last few weeks i've been trying to get ready get my materials get a, a solid five five seven minutes uh just so i can perform well at these shows right so sunday comes and i'm feeling pretty good about my material and i show up to the first place is at the the red line uh gay bar in downtown la this is the first spot which i had done a show there before uh, with the same promoter, um, this guy James, JD. I mean, you can see the poster on my page, on my IG page and all that stuff. Uh, I'd work with him. He he asked me out, see if I wanted to, to do a show in December, and which I did. It went pretty well. Got a, few, a good amount of laughs. I had a set that was later on in the evening at night, at like it was towards the end. The show ended up going long, but eventually I got up or whatnot. So, you know, I was like, you know, uh, I just want more opportunities to just work on my craft and do stuff. So I'm like, I'm not getting paid for this particular show. Just got a drink ticket. At that point, I was just like, I'll do it for for the time. And it's in DTLA. It's not far from, from my place. So that's not too big of a stress. The... Issues came up on Sunday, though, because for, you know, being a host, he did not take control of the situation and what was going on. And he uh, dropped the ball in a couple different regards, and it was disappointing because the show could have gone better than it did on Sunday. There were multiple acts who were... Asked to come out and perform. We didn't get a chance to get any stage time, which is like, what the heck is going on? So, big, big letdown on that part. I was one of those people, man. JD wasn't even... The the formatting, everything was, was off. It was off, for sure. 
And I think where it's going to get around, which it does, a lot of promoters, man, if you don't do well for the people you're, you're booking, they're not going to want to work with you in the future. And then if nobody's going to want to work with you, then you can't put on a show. That's pretty much it. So you got to help maintain some of those relationships and make sure they're solid and do right by people, which I don't know if that was done on these cases. And it's a lot of handling personalities. Comics are a different breed. It's a different class of uh, citizen kind of out there. Can be at times. So I understand there's a inherent amount of craziness that might be involved uh, working with people who are kind of in the performance industry, but... You got to hold it down, man. You got to hold it down. Uh, I got to take another break. I'll let you know specifics about what kind of went wrong and what could go better, in my opinion, and then we'll break down some more talking points in a little bit. All right. Uh, Back in a sec. All right, and we're back. Um, Big delay on my part. I'm a busy man. It is now Super Bowl Sunday morning time, so probably won't go into... The football news too too much. Uh yeah, man. Started recording this Thursday. Went to the Kings Clipper game that night, which was fun. Kings got a much needed victory. And even though they lost this last night to the Lakers, but it went some lose some man. At least they showed out when I was there in person. So shout out to Cyrus, he gotta come through. Um yeah, and then Friday Got busy again, man. Um, shout out to the homie Jeff Buck. He had me on his podcast, uh, Say Cheese Pod. Uh, that'll be released sometime in the future. Peep my socials. I'll be posting all that info once it is released and available. Um, yeah, man. So yeah, I did that on Friday. Hit up open mic and then went to go see yammy too and do his trap history dj set which was fucking fun uh gladiator opened up ricky remedy was closing out after him but yeah that well, yammy too killed it it was a real fun show uh shout out to him posted reposted my ig story and a little tweet video that i put up so that was cool um so yeah, that's the reason why I haven't been back on the show and why this hasn't been put up sooner. So yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of just breeze through some stuff. Now I was talking about the uh, comedy show that I was performing on this week. Had some issues with the um, the host, and looks like he needs to work on a few things. I know he's pretty new to hosting, so he. Needs to just know a few ins and outs that a couple people kind of suggested to him, and it didn't seem like he took to those suggestions uh, kindly. So rewind. Uh, I was supposed to perform on last Sunday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, three different bars downtown. And so I go to the first one Sunday night, and I'm there, and the host is telling me that. I asked him, like, hey, what's the order going to be as soon as I get there? And he's like, oh, well, I'm just going to feel it out pretty much. So I'm like, oh, okay. Well, as long as you give us, like, an on deck or is uh, um, in the hole type of shout-out before, it's usually not that big of a deal. So at least we can give 
ourselves to like five ten minute prep mentally to get right but when you don't do that it's tough it's tough for people to just come up there cold turkey so i uh i went to the show sunday night uh after the, the tragic news that morning and just kind of taking it all in all day and so I'm like, all right let me put on my uh comedic face and then go out tell a few jokes kind of get the uh you know get in a good mental place and you know change it over or whatever change the mood the setting so everybody in la was feeling it i feel like a lot of people were so i'm there uh couple issues number one there was no set list for who was going up number two uh the host was not lighting people so giving people like a a light like using your phone light when you got like a minute left or so and basically telling people to wrap it up that didn't really happen so some uh acts were going over supposed to be like five about five minutes each and there were some people were going seven eight ten i think somebody even did like 15 it was just like come on what's going on here and i understand if you have like a uh, like a book deck that is uh uh you know somebody that you as like a bigger name i can understand giving them more time but it's difficult when you have like 20 plus comedians trying to do work and you know, some people are going over the time, so so that happened. Um, yeah. Also, uh, the host of the show seemed to be going a little bit over, doing too much time in between. So that's another thing that kind of pushed the time back. And then by the end of the night, there was about like four or five of us that weren't able to go up. Our host just like cut the the show short. I don't know if it was a timing issue with the bar or whatnot, but. Yeah, there was a number of us who weren't able to go up, so myself included. I was mad. And he wasn't really naming people off like by their full name or whatever, or the perform you know, whatever they, they go their stage name, whatever they're recognized by. He was just kinda going by like first names or whatever. So Samantha or Tony or and there's me and another Mario, Mario Rodriguez. Uh shout out to Mario. Um who were both booked on the show. And so I'm sitting there. I'm about three hours into it. And I'm like, alright. This is kind of blowing my high. Let me just go outside and smoke again. Get myself in a, you know, loosey-goosey mind state. Before I go up there. And so I go outside. And I'm smoking a little bit. And as soon as I'm, I'm out there, I'm, I'm looking inside the, the venue. And he says, like, oh, where's Mario at? Where's Mario? And, um... At that time, uh, the other Mario gets up and goes and performs, and I'm like, God damn it, I probably could have slid in there and gotten his attention and gotten chosen, but that shouldn't even be an issue. I shouldn't need to do that. I should be able to go up. That's, you know, it, I don't really care if I go first or last. I just want to do it. But if you're not going to have me perform, I just wasted like three and a half hours, four hours, not doing anything. So that's what I was mad about the most. So I told him, like, hey, man, you can get me up soon for the next show. I'll show up. But if not, then I'm going to do something else. Because on that Tuesday, I have other options in terms of mics that I could hit in downtown area. So 
I told him that was the deal, and he said, okay. So um, I was mad and uh, upset about how everything kind of shook out that way. So anyway, we fast forward to Tuesday, and I'm like, all right, let's just give this a shot, see how it goes. And I just wanted to perform my set, man. And so, um, yeah, there's a couple open mics in the area, so I um, ended up hitting Jeff's, actually, at the Grand Central Market Say Cheese Pot, and yeah, so he was able to give me a spot there, then I went over to uh, Bing Bing Room, which is where the show was located, and yeah, so I get there, show starts or whatever, he gets me up within like the first five or so people, so I'm performing, and then I'm sitting there taking a drink, and I see another comic of mine, a uh, comic friend of mine who was at the first show and was basically explaining to him a, a couple times, like, hey, man, like, these are some of the issues that we had, like, yada, yada, you're like, you're not setting yourself up for success here, like, you're messing yourself up. So he's explaining that to him, and uh, apparently he gets, uh, the host gets on the mic, like, in between acts and was just like, well, apparently some of you guys trying to tell me how to do my job and stuff and i'm like oh boy here we go so he starts going off he's like overly uh self-promoting and you know I'm, you know you know i'm the funniest dude here and it's like all right even if you feel that way i don't know if you should express that as a host to the show because i don't know how that makes it all your, your booked acts feel it's like man this guy doesn't think highly of me or something you know what i mean so it's it's like be a little more humble in that regard um you're putting on the show. It's not to show for you, per se. Anyway, so a couple words are, are exchanged there. And then uh, this act, he goes up, and he basically starts ripping into him. Uh, or I was about to leave the venue, right? So I dap up uh, uh, the other comic, and he's like, oh, man, you're going to want to see wait for this one. So I'm like, all right, cool, I'll wait. I'll wait it out. So he goes up. And I was like talking to the comic for a minute, and I was outside, and I was like, "Oh, hold on a second, let me go, let me go back in, check this out. I want to see a set." So I go back in, and he's like, in the middle of a set, and he's like talking about like, "Hey, man, like, you're messing everybody else up. Look, he was funny, she was funny, they're funny. I've seen them before. You know, all the other acts that have done well. Like, you're not." helping us out by doing x y and z basically what i said before and so he was just kind of explaining to him that and then the host comes up and was just like off mic saying like uh it's like well you should stop telling people what to do and you need are you going to do your act you've been up here for two minutes and you haven't said one joke or whatever yada yada and now it's getting confrontational and the comic up on stage is just like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my set. I will do my set. But I just need to let you know because this is important. Like, you're not you're messing us up. And like, you're not setting us up for, for success here. And right as that happens, the host is like, oh, you're done. You're done. Like, get out. Like, this is my show. I'm going to do what I want to. I'm going to run it how I want to. And it's like a struggle for the mic. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, Like, what the hell is this? So eventually, Comic ends up giving up the mic. He's like, I'm done. I'm out of here. And um, there was another older black dude who was uh, sitting up by the bar. And he just, like, takes the mic and starts saying, like, yeah, I'm representing so-and-so, the host. I'm representing him. And 
you know, he just need you need to chill out and all this stuff. And off mic, you see the host is like, no, he does not. He does not. He no, he doesn't. No, he does. I'm like, Jesus, he can't take control of this damn damn set, this damn show. So it was getting a little, it was getting wild. So the comic who got off, he he was walking towards the exit. We were all standing by, and I gave him a little dab. I was like, oh man, jeez. And he was walking out, and I was wa- about to walk out too. So uh, I started talking to him about like what the hell just happened right there. And uh, oh, forgot the preface that both the comic, the host, and the guy who jumped on the mic afterwards were were black. I don't know if that means anything or that matters, but anyway. Um, so we're leaving the 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 venue. And the host jumps out and just coming out like, hey, man. And he's like, oh, so y'all just going to leave like that or whatever? And we're like, yeah, pretty much. And so he just kind of dipped out. I gave him a little peace sign and just kept walking. And so that didn't sit well with me, how that kind of shook out. Um, so I was talking to the comic as he was walking by. And he's just like, yeah, man, it's kind of BS. You stop working with janky promoters and all this stuff, too. So I'm like, I completely understand where you're coming from. So, um yeah, eventually did a couple other sets that night, and uh, Wednesday came, and I was kind of, I needed a day, I needed, I really did, like, and if I was going to be put in another position, kind of like similar situation for what it was the last two times, I'm like, I'm, I think I'm alright with this, so I had to call off of that set, I was like, man, can't make it, so I don't know, apparently the promoter still i guess i'm still in good standing with him because he asked me for some other shows later which i don't know i don't know oh look and it's like this little this is a little show that no one's really getting paid get some drink tickets but the most but you know I'm, i want to accept little shows like that just so i could do my material i'm not i'm not solid enough to get that paycheck consistently so I need to keep working at it. And if you're not going to give me that opportunity to work at it, then it's like, well, let me just go do this elsewhere, man. Because it's like, what are we doing? Yeah. So that's what I was pissed off about the most is I didn't get a chance to go up. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who run these shows and it just makes me wonder, like, man, I can de- or make me think to myself that I can definitely do a better job. So at some point I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to team up with the location and just get it in pretty much. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. So yeah, that was uh that was the craziness of last week. Alright, I got a bunch of stuff. Let's just go hit this rapid fire style. Uh Super Bowl fifty four, that's happening later today. You'll be hearing this afterwards, so um yeah, I'm gonna say go Niners. Hopefully this holds up. Um offense versus defense, Niners defense, Kansas City offense. It's gonna be a big matchup. The, the marquee matchup. On the other side, it's... Niners can, I think, can really control the ball and control Temple against Kansas City defense, which is the middle of the pack defense. I mean, they're known for the explosiveness on, on offense, and that's kind of how they put teams in bad positions. And they always got to play comeback, and that's it's a difficult thing to do against this Kansas City team. So, yeah, that'll be, that'll be a fun watch later today. Uh, Tevin Coleman's finally healthy, so yeah, you got all three running backs now for the Niners up and running. You know, who's going to be the better tight end, Kittle versus Kelsey? Um, man, I think Kittle's got a chance to make uh, Super Bowl MVP. I don't know if a tight end has ever won the MVP award, but 
Yeah, if even if they run in the if they win in the run game, if he catches if he catches like five catches for like eighty five yards and a touchdown, and they're just mauling people, and he's got highlights of just pancakes. Maybe a running back. Maybe they split the carries and the, the yards, and maybe they rush for over two hundred, but it's like seventy yards for each running back or something. You know, hey, maybe maybe he wins it. There's a, there's a path to that, or, or if he's just a beast and gets a couple touchdowns, some uh, manhandles a couple dudes on some stiff arms, stuff like that. If he does some stuff like that, hey, maybe maybe he can. Could be a defensive player, maybe a Nick Bosa jumping out on the end, making splash plays. Maybe a Quan Alexander if he gets like a fumble or pick or something. Mm, Jimmy G, he could have a good game too. Never know. Um, so yeah, that's that's going on. Uh, let's step away from the Super Bowl. We'll have a big in-depth episode next week about the, what kind of took place. Uh, see if I can get some some homies on the uh, the phone line, talk it out. All right, moving forward. We'll keep it in football. Uh, NFL draft is going to be taking place in April. They announced that they were going to have it in Las Vegas. Well, more plans have come out. They've uh, made a press release last week talking about how the NFL draft is going to take place on the the waters, the water fountains in front of the Bellagio Hotel, uh, which is going to be crazy. They're going to have a stage set up, a floating stage, and they're going to have boats that are going to ferry the players to the stage and then off the stage as they get drafted it's gonna be pretty damn intense kind of crazy uh it's like in the third week of april um my cousin he's getting married and uh i was selected as being one of his uh uh groomsmen so we're having the bachelor party in april and we're still planning it out and i sent them text like hey maybe we should avoid this weekend because it's gonna be crazy like, yeah, you're right, you're right. So, yeah, I think we're doing that at the beginning of the month. So, NFL draft in Vegas, that's uh interesting one. New home of the Raiders. It feels weird. I've heard some of the players talk about moving and going to new city, seeing pictures of that new arena, that new stadium looks crazy. They just put in the first seats. It should be ready to go in a few months, so... I'm excited. I think I'm gonna have a chance to go this year. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Alright, they just announced the winners for um season trophies, I guess, for the NFL. We got a unanimous MVP in Lamar Jackson. That's first unanimous MVP since Tom Brady, I wanna say twenty ten season. So congrats to Lamar. Um you won offensive player of the year as well. Let's see. The one that I'm really upset about, Offensive Rookie of the Year. That award went to Kyler Murray, which I think was not the worst decision, but come on, people. Did you guys see what Josh Jacobs did this last season for the Raiders? That dude was like the entire offense when he was out there. He was just so electric, running away from people, running through people, running over people, catching passes like... Uh, laying blocks. He was doing a little bit of everything. He was putting up numbers. So it's just unfortunate that he got hurt down the stretch. If he would have played another game or two, I think they might have given it to him. But it's like, man, he's one of the first first rated rookie to rush for over a thousand yards. He broke the single season record by a rookie running back for the Raiders, which was Marcus Allen's record. 
He's got so many accolades this season. I'm, I'm, I was really pissed about that. He didn't. He wasn't able to make it in. Uh, Max Crosby also came in second for defensive rookie of the year, next to Nick Bosa, which I don't think is that big of an issue. Max played out of his mind, really uh, overshot a lot of his projections and stuff. So um, Bosa, to his credit, was just unreal this year. He was making a bunch of splash plays. Uh, maybe not as disciplined. Max has, for the most part, played pretty disciplined all season. Did real did real well in the run game as well, um, from what I saw. All right, moving forward. NFL announced their Hall of Fame class. Just yesterday, let's see, it's led by Troy Polamalu, two-time Super Bowl champion with the Steelers. And, yeah, he was one of the greats, man, that that flowing hair everywhere. Mm. He was pretty amazing. One, one of the best. It's like so mild-mannered and would just knock your head off on the field. He'd say a prayer between every play, and I think that prayer is for his, his opponent because I don't know if it was for himself, man, because it's like, oof, this guy needs it. All right, joining Paul Amalu, we got Isaac Bruce, formerly of the St. Louis Rams, greatest show on turf. Him and uh, Tory Holt, you know, one on each side. Oh, man, that offense was humming. They had... Kurt Warner out there slinging the ball. It's a good-ass team. Edron James of the Indianapolis Colts. I think he also played for Arizona Cardinals for a little bit there. He made it to the Hall of Fame. He was amazing, amazing pro. That dude, every time he tried to tackle him, it was the top of his helmet and his shoulder pads. He freaking put his head down. He would get penalties nowadays for, like, the style of running of how he did. Like, against himself. Like, they don't teach you how to run the way he does the, back in the day because he's just taking damage but edge man edge was edge was solid that's all you'd be tackling is the top of his helmet and his shoulder pads because he'd be get freaking uh, parallel to the ground his shoulder pads and everything lower his helmet funniest tweet or funniest caption that's on instagram says started with gold teeth ended with gold jacket <laughs> i'm like damn yeah he was one of those uh miami boys that uh repped it hard repped it hard uh let's see what else what else uh who else made it uh Steve Atwater, Steve Hutchinson. Oh, Hutchinson was a huge, huge guy. So those guys made the Pro Bowl. There was a couple guys from the Raiders that did make it. The most glaring omission, as always, is going to be Tom Flores. So, freaking unfortunate. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Crazy. At water safety for Broncos and the Jets at the end. Hutchinson, man, Hutchinson was crazy, crazy good guard. Anyway, that's the Hall of Fame class of 2020. Uh, let's see what else. What's the phone buzzing for? Oh, that's giving me weather update. All right. 
Another news, uh, Eli Manning announced his retirement, finishing his career with the 500 record overall. Probably going to make the Hall of Fame for those two Super Bowls and how memorable, memorable they were. Uh, so good for him that he's able to step away. Now we have uh, both Manning brothers uh, retired from professional football. And just We'll see if, uh, I think it was Cooper. Cooper's got a son. Which is uh, their bro- their older brother? I believe he's he's got a kid that might be a prospect moving forward. So it might be a little while until we see another Manning make it to the to the league. But maybe one of the the most successful you know group of brothers to ever play in the NFL. Being a quarterback, winning two Super Bowls. You have an older brother who was. Hall of Famer won two Super Bowls himself, one of the greatest players statistically the league's ever seen. I'd say so. I don't know who else is up there. I mean, you got the Young Bloods who played together. You have some other brothers who have uh, also won Super Bowls. I think it was the Arthur Jones and Chandler Jones. Ooh, their younger brother, John Jones, is like the, the, the maybe the goat in MMA. About talented ass family, so mm, yeah, that's uh, that's up for debate, I guess. But I'll take the Mannings. I'll take the Mannings in that part. All right, moving on. Greg Olson ended up parting ways with the Carolina Panthers. Now Greg says he still wants to play, but they kind of came into a mutual agreement because it looks like they're trying to move forward. But uh, yeah, we'll see what Olson decides to do. I know he's got probably a, a career in broadcasting ahead of him. He's broadcasted certain games while he's missed uh, during um, past seasons, like when he's been injured. And yeah, so best of luck to him. I know he could help, definitely help another team out. Somebody needs one more pass catcher there. I wonder who he could help. Somebody, he's somebody, somebody will pick him up. He'll be okay. All right, moving forward. Antonio Brown, this whole saga about what the hell's going on with him. Throwing rocks to the movers, refused to pay them $4,000, got the arrest warrant, turned him. uh, Yeah, he got, did we talk about this already? I don't even know. So he had an arrest warrant issued up to him. Ended up turning himself in on Thursday. Uh, a couple weeks back, got released on a Friday for federal burglary with battery charges on a $100,000 bond. Judge orders him to have a GPS monitoring. He had to give up his passport and guns. He had to go through drug and alcohol testing and have a mental health evaluation. Now, I know he's been his uh, GPS monitor has been taken off and removed now. And he's since kind of had some comments that, yeah, I've been acting crazy. I've been acting wild. But this dude just, it just never ends with A.B., this whole offseason saga has been the craziest, and that guy definitely needs some help. So I'm glad that at least the the judge ordered some mental uh, psychiatric evaluation because, yeah, he's just acting erratic. Crazy, man. All right. That's all I'll say on that. Mm, let's see. The Saints. I was reading about this the other day. What the hell is going on? Apparently the, the, the New Orleans Saints got accused of helping to shape a list uh, of uh, 
clergy who have computed, committed sexual abuse crimes in the past. And there was controversy because this list was short on a, a bunch of names of other clergymen, clergy members who had committed sexual abuse, uh, or at least were accused of it. And Gail Benson, the current owner of the Saints, former wife of Tom Benson, is very outspoken religious, and so she's very involved with the Catholic community there in the South, in Louisiana. And so she was kind of trying to do them a solid, from what it looks like, trying to, trying to do them a favor. And... Yeah, so now this is controversial. So there was a a report now that the the judge on the case involving the I think it was involving a specific clergy member. Uh, they ordered the, the emails that the saints the communication they're having with the local I think uh, chapter or diocese there, whoever helped release the list. Um. The Associated Press is not going to be able to uh, receive some of those emails and see exactly what the heck happened. Like if it was more nefarious or if they just, like if they did that intentionally to protect certain people's names. So, oh, that's a that's a fucking weird one, man. You got professional football, religion, sexual abuse cases, U.S. judicial system. There's a lot of shit going on in that story, man, so... We'll see where that one goes, all right? Um, we'll report back to you. Let's go over to baseball for a second. Let's just kind of storm through some of these here. Um, Verlander. Jonathan Verlander was at the award ceremony. I think Baseball Writers of America award ceremony. And he was making fun of the cheating scandal. He just said some shit like, oh, you know, with this organization that we're so technology, technologically... Uh, superior to everybody else and stuff and yeah some people gave some laughs but cc sabathia was at that award ceremony he apparently walked right out of it i would be pissed off too man dude was uh standing in the way of him getting the ring at the end of his career i'd be pissed off see i don't know cc bust his ass to try to get back and be healthy for playoffs and this dude over here just making light of it that's not it's not fucking cool it's not fucking cool all right. Uh, let's see. Basketball quick hits. LeBron, prior to Kobe's passing, ended up moving past him on the all-time scoring list to third all-time. Just a testament to his determination and just being being able to just be consistent, solid, never missing games. Similar to Kobe, man, he really pushed through a lot of small injuries and stuff, and just shows you how ridiculous and how great these guys have been. Third and fourth all time, LeBron is third all time, and that's not even his best attribute, arguably, is his scoring ability. It's his passing, which is, just shows you how how damn good he really is. Man. All right, we got uh, Zion Williamson. He finally made his uh, NBA debut. He's been playing the last uh, couple weeks. Played against the Spurs to start. And he was on a minutes restriction. In the fourth quarter, he ended up scoring 17 straight points uh, for the Pelicans. He was nailing threes, uh, getting some putbacks, offensive rebounds. He looks like he's going to be a problem. 
uh, the comparison that people were saying is he was like a bigger Charles Barkley, I think kind of holds true. Just the style and aggressiveness and the way he plays. Seems like he probably has a better shot right now than Charles did. Charles was just going straight to the hoop every time. But, um, yeah, it looks like he's got some little touch from three. He's got a little bit of a push shot where he kind of shoots it out in front of him with his left-handed release. But Zion's going to be a problem, man. He's going to be a problem. Even in short bursts, you can see it. So hopefully he stays healthy and just able to keep keep balling for the rest of the year. Which kind of sucks, though, because the Pelicans are probably going to finish with a better record than my team, Sacramento. Which they need to get healthy, man. They need to get healthy. Uh, as we mentioned, lost last night to the Lakers. Kind of got it blown out. One against... Uh, beat the Clippers prior to that. Day before, they lost... Was it to Miami? They lost somebody. And, but before that, they had a game against the T-Wolves that they were down by 27 and ended up making a full comeback. That was awesome. Buddy Heald got 42 points on 24 shots. There was some symbolism there. This is the first game after uh, Kobe had passed. So it's a lot of heavy hearts. Mm. So I can imagine that it's been difficult for everybody. There's been a lot of NBA players been breaking down in their post-game interviews, dedicating stuff to them. And it's, it's a rough one, man. It's a rough one. All right, let's see what else we got. Um, there's a report. Chris Paul not going to opt out of his last year's contract to, like, chase a ring or, or move elsewhere. And I don't blame him, man. It's $44.2 million coming his way. It's a lot of money. So I think he'd rather play out the, the string of his contract in Oklahoma City than he would to... Maybe jump ship and go somewhere else, take that pay cut. I kind of don't blame him, man. He He's put in his work and he's earned it. And It's not his fault the Rockets said yes to, to that deal. So. It's part of the reason why it's going to make him so hard to, to move teams is that salary. So, But, hey, if you're willing to live with it, then, you know, it is what it is. So if somebody wants him, they're going to have to give up a lot of salary in return to get him. You know, there's been talks at Miami earlier in the year. I was, was thinking of maybe getting them or a couple other teams. and Yeah, so far he's staying put. Still balling out in Oklahoma City. Made the all-star team this year. That's a uh, Thunder roster. Has a good chance of making the playoffs. Well, see what happens. Let's see. Projections for the NBA salary cap just came back. Uh, looks like they were at $115 million. Which is one million lower than the original estimate that came out. I want to say middle last year. All this is being attributed to the whole Hong Kong China tweet that Daryl Morey sent out last uh, last fall. It was projected that it might be a ten to fifteen percent decrease in the cap, which would have been insane. It would have been down to like ninety eight million. So it's only one million lower. It's all ultimately not that big of a loss um still sucks never always want to go above projections but it's uh they're still doing fine nba still doing doing well for themselves let's see uh westbrook and lebron only players to get triple doubles against every franchise uh, westbrook just did that against oklahoma city about two weeks ago fun stat 
All right, Dion Waiters got an ovation during his season debut. I found this one's pretty funny because he's uh, even dealing with some mental stuff, and he had that whole anxiety uh, trip on a plane with the gummy bears, with the, the weed gummy bears and all that. So uh, he ended up getting an ovation from his, from the crowd. It's just funny because like, the team seems like they're just trying to move on from him and his contract. But, yeah, I still, still got that support, I guess, in Miami down in the 305. All right. We gotta give word to Delonte West. Didn't look like he was in the best situation at the moment. There's like some video that got released. And I, I don't want to watch. It. I don't want to see him in a bad spot. But prayers to Delonte West. I hope he ends up in okay. Uh, he's been a guy who I think has struggled with some mental illnesses stuff in the past. And I hope he does all right. And there's a story that came out last week. Allen Iverson had a backpack on him. While he was staying at the Sofitel Hotel in Philadelphia, apparently this backpack had $500,000 in jewelry in it. Half a million dollars of jewelry in this backpack. And guess what happened? Someone stole it. So, somebody came off with a huge payday. My goodness, AI. Got to have a little more better security than that, man. Jeez, that's a that's a rough loss. That's a you that's a tough one. You got chop chop up to the game, man. That's that's a tough tough loss. Jesus, five hundred thousand dollars. That's so much money. That's so much money. Oh man, I can't believe that. That's crazy. All right, let's move on. That's so crazy, Allen Iverson. Jesus. Oh, my God. Half a million dollars. Shit. Can I just steal just the backpack and keep all the jewelry, man? Probably still worth a couple Gs. I'll take that. Half a million dollars? Oh, my God. I wonder how that scenario is going to go. This dude going to jewelers, trying to sell the shit. <laughs> and she's like, why do you have a Allen Iverson logo chain? <laughs> Diamond encrusted. Nah, don't worry about it. Don't ask the questions. <laughs> oh, where'd you get this shit? Uh, found it. <laughs> Literally. Uh, college basketball. Kansas, Kansas State got in a massive brawl. That was insane. It was getting into the stands. People throwing punches. Players getting suspended. That was wild. Go watch the video. That was a wild one. All right. Let's go to world soccer football. Mm, a couple things. Another racial incident, Atletico Bilbao's uh, Inaki Williams reported he had racist abuse during their draw with Espanol. This time's in Spain, man. We talk about Italy, mostly Spain, England. This is happening all over. Not good, not good, not good. All right. So we hope something happens there. I feel bad for Williams having to experience that that's that's never anything you want to have happen all right we got chicharito finally had his transfer uh made official he is a member of the la galaxy got him for 9.4 million dollars and yeah it's official i'm gonna have to go watch some of those games i gotta see vela play too man gotta see him Maybe go to El Trafico, which is a, a derby between the two teams, two L.A. teams. So <coughs> That should be a good one. I think you can still put in a good amount of goals for 
the Galaxy and MLS. His defenders aren't the greatest over here. Got enough guys, I think, to, to feed him the ball. So, Shout out to Chicharito. Hope he does well. I know he was real emotional about it. He was quote-unquote retiring from his European dream and all that stuff. Not officially retired yet, but he was, you know, very emotional about that. All right. Uh, let's go baseball and then MMA boxing and then we'll call it a day. There's a lot of news story stuff. We'll get into that next episode. All right. Uh, let's see. MLB had their Hall of Fame announcement recently. Derek Jeter was one vote shy from being unanimous. Who the hell doesn't think Derek Jeter should be in the Hall of Fame? It's got to be a boss reporter of some sort. Like, what in the fuck? Mariano Rivera was the only player now, I think, that's been unanimous. I think Jeter should have made that. That's kind of that's kind of over the top. It's kind of ridiculous that he didn't. The man is legendary. I'm not even a Yankee fan, but that dude was just one of the best ever. With that jump throw. Always in the playoffs, super consistent, always clutch. Uh, besides that, Larry Walker also made it. That dude was country's hell, man. And then his uh, accepted speech. They did a video. I think he was interviewed by MLB Network and yeah, <laughs> his getup was ridiculous. Yeah, y'all need to just Google it. Google that. Yeah, like a SpongeBob racing jacket on or something, <laughs> like with the with the hat. Oh man, that was classic. <laughs> Never change. Uh, all right, there's talk about some of the steroid or the controversial players of the era getting some some more traction. Both Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens had 60% of the vote. You need 75% to get induction. And I think they only have like another year or two left of being on the ballot before they have to be voted on by like a separate committee. It's like, it's like a weird process, but can they get to 75? I don't know. Very, very well possibly could. It's going to be tough because they've had that stigma. It's a lot still some of the writers don't want to even consider them so we shall see all right mlb just announced that they're going to be testing some robot umpires uh to help call balls and strikes this is very controversial it's been something that's been kind of discussed and thrown out there in, in the past some of these umpires have roving strike zones but um uh, trying to make it you know computerized digitalized is that going to make the sport better they're going to test this out in uh, minor league baseball. That's the idea. There's also talk that there's maybe going to be a, a designated hitter uh, brought to the National League, which is also something that has kind of been proposed in the past. I think that would just basically mean most places where baseball is played that there's a designated hitter spot and the pitcher does not hit. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know. I think it's interesting that there's been two separate rules in the different leagues, so you get a kind of a different style of play. You get more um, more strategic in the National League because you got to you know use that pitcher spot. You got to put 
bench players in, make double switches, things of that nature. And in the AL, you just kind of like roll out the lineup and just let these dudes bat and just let them go. So the game's managed a bit differently. I think it still hasn't been decided upon, so we'll see if anything comes of that. All right, let's move on to the fight world. This just got announced like two days ago. I'm super excited. Kamaru Usman is going to be fighting Jorge Masvidal, most likely in July. It's not official yet, but it looks like that's what's going to happen. There was talk about Usman, Masvidal, Conor McGregor, those three guys. Some combination of, of fights between them. Khabib and, and Tony Ferguson are scheduled to fight later in the summer. So um, I don't think Conor wanted to wait for them. So he wanted one of these other two dudes. But now I think he might have to. Or that or he's going to have to take another fight. Maybe against the Justin Gaethje. Maybe the third fight against Nate Diaz. I don't know. But Usman going to defend that belt against Masvidal. That'll be a very, very entertaining fight. Does Jorge have enough to step up and uh, take that belt away from Kamaru? Because Kamaru, man, the last couple fights that he's had have been so impressive against um, Tyron Woodley. Just demolished, smoked Woodley. And then what he did to Covington was freaking amazing. That fight was, was a very, very entertaining fight. And, yeah, That'll that'll be a a barn burner for sure. Be interesting to see how Masvidal decides to attack this one because he's he's known for his attacking, but Kamaru is just a different type of beast when he counterattacks you. So quick, man! So quick. All right, that'll be exciting. So that's probably coming up in July. I think they said they wanted to do it on International Fight Week. Okay. Bob Arum wants Bud Crawford, Terrence Crawford, versus Conor McGregor in both MMA and boxing. Now, Bob Arum is the promoter for Terrence Crawford, and he just threw that out there. said, hey, yeah, well, let's, do, let's do one fight in one sport and another in another. So McGregor is apparently serious about returning to boxing. I know he had mentioned some comments just the other day, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. Conor... He's getting some traction again in the fight world. Got that win over a cowboy um, in the UFC. So maybe you should continue that momentum in the UFC a little bit more and then make the return. But who knows? Who knows what he does? All right. Last topic of the day. There was a world title fight uh, scheduled between Jose Ramirez and Victor Postal. It was scheduled in Wuhan, China. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. It got canceled due to the virus that I'm sure you've heard about that's been coming out of China. It's called the coronavirus, and it's spread from Wuhan, China. Apparently, it was originally, uh, they say it was originally contracted because there was a lot of uh, animal meat, uh, like shops, open air markets where insidious diseases can kind of be, you know, manifest. And a lot of these people eat kind of this bush meat and stuff like that, so they want to say it might have come from snakes or something, but they, uh, some kind of live animals. Anyway, started in China, it spread, uh, I think they say Korea, Japan, Nepal, Thailand, Singapore, Vietnam, and the U.S. I want to say maybe Australia has been added to that list. This is 
the initial countries. There's been a couple cases here. Um, but the death count is kind of, a lot of people are saying it's been inaccurate. After the first few days, they said there was like 26 deaths and 830 cases, but apparently the that number is going to be super low. So what happened is like the Chinese government ended up canceling a bunch of uh, transportation from Wuhan, China. Uh, there was Chinese New Year's that happened and celebration, which is a cause for people to travel to other parts of the country. The, a lot of the celebrations ended up being canceled. Travel limits uh, were put into place and it affected 35 million people in the country. However, a lot of people still were able to travel and they think that the disease was able to spread because of that a little bit more. There was, uh, this, like, the symptoms of the disease are just weren't super obvious, and they can, you can kind of go through them. It's, like, really similar to, like, a very, you know, simple flu. So, I can understand why they wanted to cancel that goddamn fight. And it's, uh, I think Bob Arum was also uh, promoting that fight as well, too, and he was saying that, yeah, this is the first time I've ever had something like this happen where it's kind of outside of the control of the fighters. Smart decision. Hopefully they can rematch, reschedule that somewhere. They're saying maybe in the U.S., but, uh... Yeah, this coronavirus shit is no fucking joke. No fucking joke. Um, which is uh, why, I guess, I've been making jokes about it on stage. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a dumb one. Just stupid little jokes like, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to be immune to it because more of a Modelo guy myself. There you go. Um... That was stupid. <laughs> I was a fucking idiot. All right. Anyway, I think I'm done here. We're going to put this out. Um, and, yeah, we're going to watch the Super Bowl today. Got a little two-hand touch football game ready to go to. And, yeah, that's about it. All right. This has been the Puro Caballero Show. This has been episode 72. Uh, follow along on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Tune in radio everywhere you can get your uh, podcasts at. You got the Instagram page at the Puro Caballero Show. My page as well at Puro Caballero on Instagram and on Twitter. All right. Uh, we're going to give you a um, 24 second moment of silence here for the late greats, Kobe Bryant. Um, so we'll end you on that. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk with you next time.